honestly, you would drive through that street and there was no difference between one or another. Like there mm-hmm. was no reason for you to steer one way or another. And of course, at that point, the reason for a resident to pull go one way or the other is, you know, if it's five bucks cheaper over here, I'm just going to go here. They all mm-hmm. look the same. So what we wanted to do was, well, how can we make this property look different? So a resident can say, I don't care if this is 20 bucks more a month. I like it. It's better. It looks better. It's just a better property. So I'm willing to pay $20, $25 extra every month because this is a better property than all the others in the street. Welcome to XN State. Where's the greatest opportunity in real estate today? That's what I need to know. We'll hear from industry leaders with boots in the ground and skin in the game. Who's winning? How are they winning? Stick around and we'll find out right here on XN State. Welcome back to episode number seven of XN State. This is your host, JCQ. Today, we welcome yet another multifamily investor. He is the founder of Demedici Group, Mauricio Ramos. In 2016, Mauricio decided to take his life on a different trajectory. He decided to leave his career in the commercial construction industry to become a full-time entrepreneur and investor. It's a decision that has proven to be both gratifying and lucrative, as he currently controls over $2.7 million in apartment properties in South Central Texas and is doing better than ever. Mauricio is doing something today that is accessible to many of us who want to invest in real estate and want to have real estate be a vehicle through which we build wealth throughout our lives. Today, we dive into Mauricio's journey because as lucrative and satisfying as real estate investing can be, it certainly isn't easy. We also discuss Mauricio's unconventional strategy to finding deals that you may even consider to be a little bit outdated. We discuss the signature feature of Demerici Group's buildings, a beautiful graffiti mural that the company uses as a design and marketing tool in their projects. And we discuss the asset classes that Mauricio is looking to get into, as well as the projects that he is kicking off today. Thank you for being back for another episode of XN State. Please sit back, enjoy today's interview, take some good notes. And without further ado, here is today's guest, Mauricio Ramos. Mauricio, it's a great pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing this morning? Hey, man, doing great. Doing great. Thanks for having me. I hope everybody's taking out the popcorn. It's going to be a good one. Yes, I'm excited. I'm excited. I hope everyone else is. I'm sure they are. So where are you right now? I'm located in San Antonio, Texas. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. So in order for us to get into it, tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do. Yes. And again, for having me on the show, it's a pleasure. So my name is Mauricio Ramos. I'm 34 years old. I'm from Mexico. I'm from Yucatan in Mexico. I grew up in Matamoros, which is across the border. And I came to the U.S. for college. Came to Texas A&M University for a civil engineering degree. Graduated as a civil engineer. And I started working in the construction industry here in Texas, South Texas. And then later on, moved into the, moved here to San Antonio and uh, build large commercial projects, you know, hospitals, high schools, ground up, entire high schools, 96 acres, um, 52 acres, those those kind of projects, multi-million dollar Mm -hmm. construction projects, build a couple of hospitals here in San Antonio, build the uh, Central Plaza, which is the public transportation system here in town. So we built that a couple of years ago. And then one of my interns actually 
uh, Adrian, which I know uh, mm-hmm. it's been it's been now on the on your yeah. podcast. Yeah. So he was my intern at the time, and he introduced me to real estate. Uh, in my family, it's very very typical conservative family from Mexico. You know, mm-hmm. just go to work, go to school, find a job, take care of that job. You know, mm-hmm. save and maybe buy a house for yourself. That that's pretty much it. So. I was never into real estate. And when I got real estate introduced to me at the beginning, I was a bit skeptical. And what I knew, I knew I, w- I needed to find something else. I knew I didn't want to work the rest of my life. So when I found real estate and then I started looking into it, what immediately caught my attention was the buy and hold. Okay. Uh, just getting rentals, right? It's like, mm-hmm. okay, this, I like this idea about getting rentals, right? You, you buy a house and maybe at the end of the month, you get, you keep, a couple hundred bucks cash flow. Mm-hmm. So I like the idea. And first it was single family. So I started actually doing a couple of wholesales. I mean, a few thousand dollars here and there and immediately found multifamily, mm-hmm. right? And then when I found multifamily, I fell in love with it because it made a lot more sense uh, because of the math, right? I'm an engineer. So because of the math and just how the numbers work, I really fell in love with it. And so I, after a couple of years of doing single family and wholesales, I went into multifamily and, you know, fast forward, we're currently invested in 502 units. Okay. I control $2.7 million in assets in, in multifamily. And you're just getting started, right? Just getting started. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Adrian was the one who got you into real estate originally. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. He's the one that introduced me to real That's estate. That's very interesting because he was here last week on the show and he talked about how much he has learned from you in real estate investing. So, but he was the one who got you in originally. So yeah. it's interesting. So he was your intern in, in the construction business? Correct. I was working for a construction company while he was in school. He graduated as a construction uh, construction management okay. degree. So part of his degree was get a, get a job. So he looked for a job and he, he got a job at the company I was working for and he was assigned to me as my intern. Okay. When, when we spoke last week, he doesn't give me the, the profile of the person who wants to stay at a, on a corporate job for very long. Yeah. <laughs> he has too much yeah. energy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not for everyone, for sure. Yeah. So what were you and then you and Adrian doing at the construction company? And the reason why I ask is to understand better what you were exposed to in terms of the construction, because when you say you worked in construction, I mean, though these companies are big and you could, there's a lot of different things that you could be doing. You can be out there on the field or you could be supervising or you could be working as an estimator. I don't know, but so yeah. what, what, what were you doing there? Perfect. Great question. Yeah. So when I started, I was assistant superintendent and then got promoted to superintendent that was mostly in the field, which I, I'm very grateful for. You know, mm-hmm. at, at the time I was like, oh man, I want to school for this to be here under the sun and, and mm-hmm. working seven to seven. But, you know, I wasn't, I learned to do a lot of, a lot of it with my own hands, but you know, I had workers. I mean, in all honesty, I had workers and, and I was really supervising. That was my position. But then I got promoted to project manager, which is more of, it has a little bit of combination of office and field. Mm-hmm. So that's when Adrian was working under me. So it was a combination, probably a good 50-50 of office and field. Mm-hmm. And we were managing contractors, you know, your typical commercial trades all the way from the moving dirt, concrete, steel, the skin of the buildings, and then mm-hmm. all the finishes on the inside, and, you know, all your elevators, electrical plumbing, all your trades there. 
manage, build several projects. So, so very familiar with the construction process of the real estate development bigger picture. Yeah, and I think that's extremely valuable because I think that's what keeps a lot of people from investing. It's the fact that mm-hmm. you a lot of times don't know what you're buying into and you're afraid if you're buying a, a, an asset that's or a building that's been there for 30 plus years, which a lot of people do because that's where a lot of opportunity has been in in the, in the last few years. But if you miss, if there's something that, that you miss, it can end up being very, very costly. And having that background in construction, first of all, it lets you have a better idea of what it is exactly that you're buying. And also it reduces your uncertainty in terms of if there is something that does go wrong, what does it take to fix it? That's correct. Yeah, it doesn't guarantee that I'm, I'm not going to miss something. But like you said, it reduces the exposure for sure. Yeah. And also being able to manage the contractors, you know, on our projects, now that we own three properties and we hire a roofer, we hire a painter, we hire a plumber to do something, you know, it's harder for them to poke our eyes on something because we know, we know oh, no, no, that, that takes a week. It doesn't take two weeks. Come on. So mm-hmm. it, it, that, that really helps. Yeah. And that's probably one of the reasons why you've been able to move very fast. I was talking with, well, let me ask you, first of all, do all the deals that you do, do you do with Adrian or does that? Both. I've, I've done some deals on my own. My first multifamily deal, which was, a, well, I'll back up a little bit. My very first deal was a mobile home that I bought okay. cash. I fixed it up and owner financed it out. And then, okay. you know, like Michael Blank says, law of the first deal, I found mm-hmm. another one right after. Within a month, I found a yeah. second mobile home, same mobile home park, bought it, fixed it up, owner financed it out. So those I did on my own. What were, did, the, what were the numbers on the first one? Just, just curious. I'm sure they were, sure. they were small, but... Yeah, for sure. So we, I bought it for 7000 cash. Okay. And I put like 3500 into it. And I sold it for, I think it was like 19. Okay, wow. 19 and got like $3,000 down and then owner financed the rest at like 10% interest rate. And how long ago, I mean, how long did it take you from the moment you buy it to the moment you sold it? A couple of months. Couple a couple of months. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that much. So much of the, I mean, pretty much all of the upside, the difference in value from what you paid for it to what you sold it for was the, what you put into it. You created that value with the renovations. Pretty much. Because yes. the market was, was pretty much the same by the when you bought and when yes. you sold. The yes. location the yes. location was the same, right? Yeah. yeah, it's same location and similar numbers with the second one. I, I, the second one I actually bought cheaper. Mm-hmm. I put also like 4K, bought it for, sold it for like 18 or 19. And, uh, but the, the important thing about that one was not the money that you made in, in it. Although, you, I mean, the return there was big. Mm-hmm. And in terms of percentage, but it, it was your first deal and it got you into yes. the game and yes. it got you confident that you can make money and that you do know what you're doing and that you're not just taking a big chance on something that you've been hearing about and reading about. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it, it definitely changed my mindset. This second deal, I think I mentioned this before, but this second deal, this guy paid me $10,000 cash as a down payment. It was like nineteen. And he gave me $10,000 cash. So I had never seen $10,000 cash in my hands. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So that was really kind of like an eye opener for me. Mm-hmm. And it was also a reassurance that I was moving into the right direction. Mm-hmm. Right? It really changed my mindset about money, right? 
if, if you just put it to if you put your money to work for you, it'll come back and mm-hmm. in, in greater amounts. So it, it was really a a uh, reassurance for me. It was, it was a pretty good experience. Yeah. And so soon after that, you did another mobile home. So I did two. Okay. I did two, kind of almost back to back, and then within along that time, I also did a couple of wholesales. Mm-hmm. Adrian was in wholesale wholesaling, so he taught me the basics of wholesaling, and I was looking for a few houses here and there. We did a good wholesale that uh, we had a thirty thousand dollar wholesale fee, so we split mm-hmm. it uh, fifteen and fifteen, and I used my fifteen to buy a. At this time, I had started doing marketing for multifamily, small multifamily, kind of uh, in San Antonio and around San Antonio, and got this 10-unit apartment complex in Pleasanton, Texas, which is like 45-minute drive from San Antonio, south of San Antonio, and got seller finance terms, very low down payments, it's like 7% down, 0% interest, um, got very good terms. So I used that wholesale fee mm-hmm. to buy my first multifamily deal. Which again, that was on my own. How did you find that opportunity? Through uh, postcards. Okay. Through postcards. So when you say that you were already marketing for multifamily, that's what you mean. You're already reaching out to sellers and yes. in a big way because that's what you do with postcards, right? Yes, sir. Yes, we were sending postcards to sellers in the area. Okay. And what's that process like? Adrian was telling us a little bit about it. So you pretty much just, he mentioned a thousand a week that you send. We range, you know, between like 400, 600, sometimes that's, that's more. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. And then one out of every few thousand ends up being an opportunity that you That's correct. That's correct. Yeah, the percentage is low, but, you know, you land one of those deals and it's completely, completely worth, you know, the few hundred bucks that you put mm-hmm. into in sending postcards. So you think that that's one of the, or that's has been, and this being right now one of the, more effective methods for you to find opportunities? It has been. I've looked into others, but that is, I mean, it, all the deals that I've done, mm-hmm. I think only one was through cold calling and all the rest have been through postcards. Okay. And, you know, some of them had, had given me five-figure fees and six-figure fees and on when I did wholesale, but I didn't keep the deals. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's has, that has been the most successful marketing strategy that I've used so far and it's still still working. Just closing a deal at the end of 2019, uh, six-figure fee through a postcard, and it's it's a very good deal. So what happens is that an owner of a building that's never been approached before all of a sudden receives a postcard that says, "I'm interested in buying your property." Correct. And that's and you you don't mention amounts there, right? Yeah. So can I can I what the call goes? You know, hey, I got your postcard. What's this about? Many times it's really kind of tire kicking. Like, what do you have to offer, right? Because mm-hmm. we, we tell them, hey, we can give you an offer. You know, it's free. It's a fair offer. You know, just give us a few minutes and we'll give you an offer. Mm-hmm. So, all right, what's this offer about? Okay, thanks for calling. We just need to ask you a few questions about the property, income and expenses. And then, you know, we kind of try to have a good conversation, build some rapport with the seller. And then that's it. Thanks for calling. And then we'll go and run our numbers and then we can determine what's a fair offer. We typically put three options on our offers, one cash and then a couple mm-hmm. of seller finance strategies there and send the offer out. And, you know, if they're interested, 
they'll call us or, you know, if not, we'll follow up and say, hey, you know, you got to offer. And if it lands within a range where it's still negotiable, then we go down the, the negotiation and, uh, you know, we get under contract and we either buy it or um, wholesale it. Okay. So you still do either depending on, on what makes sense for each deal. Correct. Correct. So not, not every deal makes sense for syndication, unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, especially because you have that, you know, 70-30 split or 80-20 split with mm-hmm. your investors. So that, that kind of reduces a little bit the returns. So uh, sometimes we approach the first, our first approach will be try to syndicate it, right? If it doesn't make sense, then we'll, if, but we know it's a good deal. It's in a good location. Then, then we turn around and say, all right, how much can we wholesale it for? Let's get under contract in this amount. And then trying to make a spread. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So sorry I interrupted you there, but you were telling us about the the 10 unit. That was your, after the mobile home, your first multifamily project, right? Correct. Yes. So this 10 unit, great seller finance deal. We used my money, uh, my that one wholesale fee to buy this 10 unit. And then through other wholesales that I did, I was able to keep pouring money into it. And, you know, I would replace roof. And I'm used to saying we, but this, again, this is all me. And my wife, uh, we replace all the roof, change all the electrical panels, the, the electrical feeders and service to the building. We replace all that, paint all the exterior, paint the doors, and remodel probably six units completely. Did a partial on two or three, and I think there was one. There was one legacy unit that stayed the way it was, just because it was a, it was the best resident, and you know he always stayed until I sold the property. I sold the property in 18 months and had a 159 return investment on that. 159% wow. return. Wow. In 18 months. In 18 months. Yeah, it was a pretty good deal. So uh, at this point, were you st- oh, still working in construction? I quit my job in October 2018. Okay. So over a year ago, I, I quit my job. I overlapped about three, three and a half years, maybe four years with real estate. Mm-hmm. That was my transition, and uh, I was able to quit in October 2018. Okay, and and now you're you're full time and syndicating and real estate investing. Correct, a full time real estate investor. Yes, sir. excellent, excellent. So after this deal, then what happened after this ten unit one? So after the ten unit, did a couple of wholesales that went pretty well, and after that. We got that 16-unit apartment complex under contract, which uh, this was Adrian and I. It was through a postcard. I think Adrian was sending those postcards, and he managed the entire relation with the seller. Well, got under contract, and we had this property under contract by the time I quit my job. So, you know, when I quit my job, we were already working on this one, you know, raising money Mm -hmm. and setting up all the legal, all the entities. So this was your first syndication? First syndication, yes. Okay. This is a 16-unit apartment complex in McAllen. It's called Oak Ridge Apartments. Okay. And it, we, we actually branded it. It, it, it had no, no name. Mm-hmm. So closed in January 2019. And, you know, brought about four, five investors, and plus Adrian and I mm-hmm. on this deal. And um, we've repositioned the property. We remodeled probably 10 units by now and painted the exterior. We added an artwork, a mural to the exterior and uh, cleaned the landscape. So we've been able to do a, a successful reposition on that, on that property. Mm-hmm. That was our, our 
or following deal after uh, the 10 unit. Yeah, I've seen the mural that you mentioned mm-hmm. on Instagram, and I, w- I would encourage everybody to check it out because it really ended up being a very beautiful, huge mural on, on one of the walls of, on one of the buildings. How did you come up with, with that idea? Yeah, that's I call it a problem, but um, I wake up in the middle of the night, and sometimes I have good ideas, sometimes I have bad ideas. <laughs> but So that was one of the good ideas. And so there's this, this property sits on a corner. Mm-hmm. One of the two streets is, is kind of busy. The other one is not as busy, but so sits on that corner and it has this huge wall. It has four small windows, but it has a huge wall that has a lot of visibility. And it's it, on the very corner, there is the monument of the sign of the, of the apartments, right? The monument sign. And then behind it, there's this huge wall. So I figured, Hey, there's something that we can do at this wall. And uh, I've always liked, you know, art and, you know, I came up with the idea, hey, we can do some kind of mural or something here. And I started looking on my Facebook and some of my friends referred me to, I mean, I knew the guy, but I, it just didn't come up right away. Mm-hmm. Carlos Guerrero, he's from okay. Matamoros. We, I mean, we grew up together and uh, I knew he was, he was doing artwork, some kind of graffiti artwork mm-hmm. and uh, called him out and said, hey, man, this is, this is what we're looking at. We bounced some ideas, probably three or four different ideas until we came up with something that we liked. And there it was. He put it together in one day. Maybe it took him two days. But yeah, he did a great job. You know, I, I gave him the idea. He put it together and, and it's definitely an eye catcher. Um, mm-hmm. One of the ideas behind doing that was that street has several multifamily properties. Most of them are kind of like fourplexes and eightplexes. There's probably one other 16 or 20 unit similar mm-hmm. uh, apartment complex like ours there's one across the street but honestly you would drive to, through that street and there was no difference between one or another like there mm-hmm. was no reason for you to steer one way or another and of course at that point the reason for a resident to pull what go one way or the other is you know if it's five bucks cheaper over here i'm just gonna go here they all mm-hmm. look the same so what we wanted to do was well, how can we make this property look different so a resident can say, I don't care if this is 20 bucks more a month. I like it. It's better. It looks better. It's just a better property. So I'm willing to pay $20, $25 extra every month because this is a better property than all the others in the street. And also the, the mural looks brand new. So it's a signal to anybody driving there that, hey, these, there's someone that's putting attention on this property that's taking care of this property that the other properties in the area probably exactly. lack. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. And it can also become a, a staple for your buildings, right? It, it is. It is. That's the idea, right? That's the idea. We're working on, on, on uh, actually, we're, for the last week, uh, Carlos and I have been b- bouncing ideas on the artwork for the following building. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's definitely so. My company, it's called the Medici Group. Mm-hmm. The Medici is an Italian last name, an Italian family from the 1300s that uh, was a very powerful family, but they support a lot of art in Italy. Uh, they built probably half Florence. So I really identify with that. So that's so something I want to do, you know, support art locally and put some kind of signature, like you're saying, put some kind of signature that's my stamp on the properties that I own. Mm-hmm. And put your own personal touch on the buildings. That exactly. that always helps. Friend, that helps because tenants like it. Tenants like to know that there's someone that cares about the building. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So 
Now that you've been doing this for a few years, what are some of the things that you're doing differently now as opposed to when you were first starting out in investing? Great question. So, you know, I think everybody has a superpower, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I feel my superpower is in the underwriting. Okay. So just because of my engineering background and my numbers background. So I have definitely improved my engineering and there's, there's still a lot to improve, right? But I have improved my underwriting approach on the deals. So sometimes I go back and look at um, like the numbers that I wrote, I underwrote on a particular property. And, you know, you look at it and it's like, Christ, good almighty, what was I doing here? Right. So, you know, but just what are, what are those things that, that you're noticing? Is it more than where, hey, I was wrong in my assumptions or is it more like the whole just structure of the, underwriting like the method more than the assumptions is the problem it's probably the assumptions probably the assumptions okay. and assume that something was going to increase here or or this was going to decrease that much or uh it missed something right missed missed a number that mm -hmm. now i know it has to be there or uh you know i have improved in the reversion cap rates per se so so th those kind of items and have a better idea on where the property is located how aggressively can you really raise rents mm -hmm. or not? Those kind of items. So some of the things that we're doing differently, you know, I stayed away from, single, I did probably single family the first couple of years and just stayed away from it. So strictly multifamily and, you know, potentially looking into office space or uh, mobile home parks in the near future. Okay. But, but went away from single families. So that's something that we're doing different. Also, our marketing has probably been uh, narrowed a little bit more. We tried to stay away from properties that were built probably before the 70s. Mm -hmm. and just narrowing our, yeah, our approach. Specific. Mm -hmm. Those are some of the items. Okay. But yeah, I mean, that it makes complete sense that your underwriting assumptions are only going to get better with experience, right? Correct. Because no matter how much you prepare for when you're starting out or how much you read, at the end of the day, once you've already done it for a few years and you just move with confidence, and you're always going to look back at how you were doing things when you started out and say, hey, I, I didn't know what I was doing in, in a lot of ways. Correct. But in the more general sense of like the method and the form you were like in terms of the underwriting, that hasn't changed much, like, or has it? Um, I'm still using the same calculator that I started using kind of at the beginning of the multifamily been open to you know at the beginning i was probably more into when it was a syndication you know probably try to stay with the 70 30 and then if mm -hmm. it wasn't a 70 30 split then i just go away with it well maybe you do a 75 25 will work right and then mm -hmm. taking a five percent haircut and still ha make everybody happy will we'll be fine to get that mm -hmm. one deal right so that's one thing but the general idea of the approach i think is still very similar mm -hmm. the concept it's still very similar as the original. Now that you understand it better, you feel more comfortable adjusting it, right? And doing those types, being get, getting a little bit more creative. Correct. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So you mentioned you discarded looking into single family, but you are open to office investments or mobile home parks? Correct. I feel that um, a few years ago when I started, it was probably 2014, 2015, when I started looking in, I went away from single family and went into multifamily. You know, I, I'm the type of guy that if you go to a place and everybody's crowded in one place, I'll just, you know, I'll just go to another, right? If you go to HEB and 
you know, everybody is on the lane, the wrong lane, and just go to the other lane, right? Because mm-hmm. there's not as much people, right? So I felt that th- that happened in, in multiple single family, right? Everybody was there. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of competition. Well, let's mm-hmm. go over here for them. It's not as crowded, right? Multi, mm-hmm. Small multifamily. So I feel that now because of the market and because of, and because how everything is getting very competitive, there's now multifamilies being that that lane at HEB that everybody's at, right? So mm-hmm. now it's time to start looking at another one. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're just going to get stagnant in that one and just mm-hmm. waiting, right? So I feel that office space and uh, mobile home parks is probably the, the kind of the next good investment asset class mm-hmm. that we can move into kind of organically as well. So that's the reason behind opening up to uh, those asset classes. Yeah, that makes sense. What signs do you see that make you think that multifamily is a little bit crowded right now? Well, I mean, prices, man. Prices, just, uh, you see the listings from the brokers and it's just, just outrageous, you know? They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're trying to get... I mean, and the crazy part is not how much they're trying to get. The crazy part is they get it, so right? They get it. So, mm-hmm. right? so they list these properties. I, not long ago, I saw a property that was listed like completely legacy built in the 70s it was i don't i mean it was probably well kept but not remodeled at all probably since then and uh they were asking seventy five thousand dollars a door here that was here in san antonio actually no it was in a little town around san antonio and it went under contract within a week or so seventy five thousand dollars a door you know it that's probably in my opinion that could have been good for like 55 or 60 and then once you remodel it, then yes, you can pay, you can pay, somebody can pay for a remodel property, 75 mm-hmm. or 80, but not the way it was. Um, so, you know, people are paying for that pro forma, like mm-hmm. year one, year two pro forma. So that's kind of crazy. Everybody is, is overpaying, but everybody's still been able to make money because the next virus was still right. willing to overpay. Right, anymore. right. But I mean, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, of course. So, that's one thing. And then the other reason why I feel, you know, it's getting overcrowded is sometimes, even with the direct mail, right? Because when there's a broker in the middle, of course, the broker is going to try to squeeze every dollar out of the deal. And um, even when we do direct mail and we reach out to some sellers, we find that some sellers are asking, you know, that crazy amount. And, mm-hmm. well, sir, why do you think, do you know, your property is worth that much? Well, the property next door just sold for that. Mm-hmm. Well, that property next door has granite countertops and has wood laminate floors in years out. Yours has VCT and has for my kind of old. Well, I don't care. I don't care. I want, I want the same, right? And yes, sure enough, somebody from California will come and pay it. So mm-hmm. that's, it's just getting, getting more competitive. Yeah. So when you say office parts, what exactly do you mean? Because the reason why I asked is because we develop office condominium projects, which are essentially office parks. But there, I know there's many types of office products. There's suburban office, which is more um, what I think of when I hear office park. But there's also like the downtown high rises and things like that. Right. But what, what kind of office are you considering or are you open to investing in in the future? So the whole idea is the value add, right? So mm-hmm. regardless of the asset class, it's value add, force appreciation. So we would be talking about a class B, class class B, class C mm-hmm. office building. You know, not a huge rise, maybe a mid-rise or three, four-story building. That where ideally it has the typical 
old school mindset of, you know, everybody is in their own little space and there's no common space. So where we can come in and implement that, you know, you'll have your, your mm-hmm. office space and your dedicated conference rooms, but you can turn it around and have the, the shared space and have more amenities and make it more open. Uh, you know, for sure. have, a, have a pool table or something in the middle, uh, have some open spaces for people to, to just hang out and use the space, but not have to be on a desk isolated from the world. Yeah. Just put a, a craft brew tap and it'll fill up uh, the next day. There you go. So, so, something like that. Yes. <laughs> no, that, that makes a lot of sense. So opening up spaces, uh, making adding more color, remodeling the finishes. Yeah, I mean, similar to what the approach is in multifamily. Right, it's the same value add, right? And, yeah, and of course, you can, with that, you can increase the rents, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So I saw a few days ago on Instagram, you, because that's where I get my business updates now, it's it's on mm-hmm. Instagram. So I, I saw that you just put a property under contract where you're planning to actually do a ground up development and, and a part of it. What's that about? That's correct. Yes. Uh, so actually this seller, we've been talking to him for over a year now and back and forth. And at the beginning, we wanted to wholesale that property. We, we couldn't find a buyer. So uh, we left it alone. And then he called again a couple of weeks ago and said, Hey, are you still interested? You know, I really want to sell. He's in Dallas. And so this is the only property he has in San Antonio who he's just ready to move on. So went looked at it again and definitely has value add, you know, uh, the property itself, cash flows, mm-hmm. just as is. It, the, the transaction includes two pieces of land, two tracts of land. One of them has two buildings, commercial and multifamily, and then an, a vacant piece of land. So on the vacant piece of land is, is zoned um, commercial. Mm-hmm. So meaning you can either turn it down into multifamily or you can just do commercial and then... What's either, the zoning for multifamily? Is it commercial? MF33. Kind of commercial, it's like the hardest, like top level zoning that you can get. Mm-hmm. Like go up is hard. Go mm-hmm. down is not hard. So, so you, can, you can easily change commercial to residential, but not the other way around. Correct. So okay. commercial, I, so the idea now would be either uh, on the piece of land would be to build... And again, to use my construction experience, build either some apartments or a storage facility, just maybe 20, 30 small storage units mm-hmm. and, uh, in that location. It's on a very busy commercial road on the south side of San Antonio. So definitely building and developing is the best use for that mm-hmm. space. So that's what we want to do. So when you say that the property is already cash flowing assets, what do you mean by that? So just the purchase price of the property with, you know, the down payment, the note that we're going to have and everything, the cash flow that the apartments in the commercial space that it's there, there's a beauty salon in the front and then there's six apartments. The cash flow from those, from or the income from those units allows you to cash flow and pay off that note and still keep, you know, keep some money. It's about nine to 10% return for that. So I will do a second note to I'll borrow more money from the bank mm-hmm. later on mm-hmm. to build and just just develop that other space. But as is right now, if I don't develop or before I develop, the property will cash flow by itself. I don't mm-hmm. need to build the units to be able to you know come out of the negative. It's already 
cash flow. Mm-hmm. So what that means is that you're basically the additional land is not so you know you you are paying for the additional land because if if you see it from a traditional development standpoint mm-hmm. you you normally pay buy a piece of land and of course that's not cash flow because it doesn't doesn't produce any income right, exactly. if you buy an apartment and a property next to it normally the amount the note on the property itself won't be able to be covered by the cash flow from the apartments it's already covering its whole property including the land that it's on so in this case you're basically buying an apartment with extra land but not necessarily a lot that on its own would be sold for commercial development i don't exactly. know if, if i did a good job yeah, on explaining yeah, yeah. You did, yeah, and that's exactly right. That's exactly right. It will be hard to sell that little piece of land, honestly, mm-hmm. but both together make a lot of sense. And okay. that's really the best use of, it, of the land. You just build more, remodel what's there. There's definitely room for improvement. There's room to increase the rents, probably a good 75 bucks in each unit once they're remodeled. And then especially that commercial space, there's there's two units that are commercial. So those, if you turn those into, you know, office or that beauty salon, just remodel it, that can easily go 300 bucks more a month. And that's another way to deviate from where, where a lot of the crowd is right, right now, right? Which a lot of people are buying existing property. And I've also heard some talk about a lot of people are starting to look into ground up development. Correct. For that same reason. Great. It's, uh, I'm reading a book now. It's called uh, the the blue ocean strategy. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you know you're creating your own opportunities, basically. So and and using what you have in hand, right? There's 10 years of experience in the construction industry. So I feel I need to put it to use, right, and take advantage of, of that experience that I got. Yeah. The past few years. And I mean, as a developer myself, I've learned that uh, an invaluable skill in this business is to be able to build things for cheap, right? Because if you can build things for cheap, then the whole risk of the project is reduced and the money that you save by reducing the construction cost, you can put into use in other areas, right? Yeah, that's that's to exactly benefit right. the development. So then it becomes harder to, for your competitor to compete with the product that you're delivering. Yeah, right. So yeah, that's, that's something that we as developers respect a lot and get very excited when we see a contractor that knows what they're doing and yeah. that can keep costs low. And the other approach to this to this property is, you know, as we buy property, syndicate apartments, you know, those acquisitions typically will last, you know, five years or so, maybe a little longer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you'll sell them, right? And, and it'll just be kind of transitional. But at the end of the day, at least what I want to do, but I, I know most people in real estate is, you know, create a legacy for your family that where you can retire, right? Something that you can retire off. So this property is kind of for the long-term legacy approach for my family, you know, building those apartments and, and remodeling what's there, refi out, and, and that's it. You know, that'll be a cash cow for, at least for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope it'll last a little longer, but that's the approach for that kind of property, right? The, the ultimate goal is to be able to transition the money that is coming out of the syndications and to put it into something that is kind of a, a very long-term project. Yeah. So it makes sense in, in a lot of ways, this, this new deal, because I mean, again, it's, it's going to help you branch and, and explore this new roundup development that you haven't, mm-hmm. that you haven't been in and before, sure. but, but you have a lot of skills that you know will translate very well 
and with your background in construction and what you've been doing in the past few years. Yeah, so it's very, very exciting. Awesome. Yeah, I wish you all the best on that. I'm sure it'll be a very successful project. Thank you. Thank you. So you, you just put it under contract and normally what does, does that gives you a period to do studies, do feasibility on the property and all of that. How long is that period normal? Yeah, so one of the conditions from the seller was to close before the end of February. So we'll close by February in sadly like 40 days. And, you know, it's not such a big property. And we underwrote it before, so we're familiar with the property. Mm, yeah, we know what, what are the good things about it. We know what are the bad things about it. So we know what to expect. And we're using a, a bank that is also a here local bank in San Antonio that is also familiar with us. So that also, again, reduces the, the time mm -hmm. of, the, uh, of closing. For sure. Yeah. All right. Well, Maurice, are you ready for the fire round? Let's do so, it. Yeah, we have some questions to get to know you a little bit better and uh, to get some quick counts, quick answers out of you. That's it. Awesome. First question. What's your favorite place to travel to? Oh, man. I've been to 25 countries around the world, so that's going to be a hard one. Thailand is beautiful. It has very beautiful beaches. And um, Berlin, it's also okay. wonderful. Israel is a beautiful country. Now you're just bragging. Well, I mean, I'm saying some of some <laughs> of my some of my uh, favorite countries, but um, and of course Mexico. You know, I, I love going back to Merida. For sure. But those those would be some of my favorite countries. Awesome, yeah, some amazing destinations. Uh, what's your favorite movie? Well, the entire Star Wars saga. Okay. I love it. Yeah. Excellent. I'm a fan. Are you a fan of the of the new ones? Yeah, yeah, I like them all. I mean, you know, the originals had it. Had its touch, and in the and then the episode one, two, three. Also, it's it's the thing and how it connects. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's it was very interesting, but yeah, yeah, I like them all. Yeah, yeah, they do a, a good job. What's your favorite book? I'd say real estate related. Uh, no, not necessarily. But now that uh, you mention it, why don't you give us a one real estate related and and one that's not real estate related? Well, I mean, I'm a Christian. So, I mean, Bible is very important for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, secondly... Uh, Have you read it? I'm about to finish the New Testament. <laughs> okay. uh, I'm about to finish the New Testament and then the Old Testament after that. So, okay. Uh, and then real estate related, you know, there's books about the mindset, about changing my mindset. But I'd say the one that had a lot of impact on what I do now is uh, Big Profits with Small Apartments by Lance Edwards. Okay. Big Profits with Small Apartments by Lance Edwards. Correct. I hadn't heard that one, so I'll definitely yeah, I'm sure you've heard out. all the uh, Robert Kiyosaki's and all that. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, so I, I like this answer keep, better. Giving you a new one. Yeah, awesome. I appreciate that. What's the best advice you have received? Put your money to work for you. Make your money work for you. It sounds very simple, but to make people change that mindset you know it's, it's something mm -hmm. that it's ingrained in people's for years that's the way people grew up including mm -hmm. myself so mm -hmm. to change that it's it's a lot harder than just saying it so mm -hmm. that's probably the best best advice yeah love that thank you perfect so last question Mauricio. how can people reach you if, if anybody wants to learn more about you and your company and about what you do how can they stay up to date for sure so we have our webpage. you can go to it demerici group com. You can also reach out, uh, easier to spell, investdifferently.net. It'll take you to the same location. My email is mauricio 
at the Medici group.com. And I am on Instagram. It's M-A-U-R-M-S. It's basically Mao Ramos, M-A-U-R-M-S. You can find me there on Instagram. So those, those are the easier ways to find me. Awesome. I'll add all this information to the show notes for everybody to be sure not to have any any issues there in, in reaching out to everybody. <laughs> Yeah, but thank you very much, Maurice. It's been it's been a lot of fun and very, very helpful for me and I'm sure for a lot of our listeners as well. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And then we'll we'll stay in touch on Instagram. Hopefully you'll you'll keep us updated there. We'll do. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very thank much, Mao. Have an amazing Thanks. day.